Well, we had a great night last night. Uh, we had our Managing Conflict in the Home seminar, and Pastor Steve Sewell was with us for that, and uh, it, was, it was just a, a, a good time of equipping, a really good time of equipping, and uh, so we're thankful to have him with us this morning as well. Steve has become a good friend. Um, I've I got to just start with that. Hey, there he is. <laughs> Larger than life. Didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> Steve is, has become a, a really good friend. We've known each other for a couple of years now, and uh, our paths have crossed in a few different contexts. Uh, Steve serves, uh, he, he's served as a pastor. He currently serves with Foursquare as a chaplain endorser. Uh, he works with our very own pastor, Abby, in the, in the chaplain program here within Foursquare. Um, and uh, and gets to love and serve chaplains around the nation. Uh, he is the specialized chaplain endorser, and those are chaplains that serve uh, in colleges, universities, and in the corporate world. Um, he speaks. He travels extensively. He speaks uh, at in 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 the corporate environment. He speaks at hospitals. He speaks at schools. Uh, he he's he's written. He's an author. He's written a couple of books. In fact, I have a couple of them here this morning. He he wrote a book called At a Loss, uh, learning how to comfort others through the journey of grief using scripture and prayer. And I w- I would go so far as to say he is an expert in the area of grief and helping people to process grief, not just for themselves, but we all know people that experience grief and, and have to walk through grief with others. And so this is a great resources, resource. His books, by the way, are available this morning if you want to uh, pick one of those up. I believe $10. Uh, he also write a, wrote a book called Finding Hope, uh, which is a book uh, on grief for children. Um, and, uh, and it's an amazing story. And then there's a, an activity book that goes with that. Um, more, more than anything, this man loves Jesus, and he loves people. And he does both of those really, really well. And you'll hear uh, from his heart this morning. It's not his first time sharing. And so it's a big deal to get invited back to speak, right? No. Uh, you, if, if you recall the last time he spoke, he was just such a blessing. And so uh, it's my great privilege to introduce my friend and our speaker this morning, Steve Sewell. Would you welcome him as he comes? I need, uh, I need Barry to uh, uh, write those down, say them in my phone, because my wife doesn't believe them. She says that I'm like, I need to work on this, I need to work on this. When I say, but Barry says that I'm a really nice guy. And so you start need to, look, you need to get in line right now with what he said. You know? and she's like, you tell him that I'm calling him. <laughs> Wonderful to be here. I love Southern California. Do you even realize how cool it is here? How, like, the vibe is so cool here? You have tacos on every single corner, and there's nothing wrong with that. You have cool people like Addison and Kaylee right here in the front row. They're, like, amazing. Yeah. You have a worship team. Who, Mr. Baseman, where is he at? Is that you? Yeah, he's over here. He's just like, boom, 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 boom. I'm like, dude, I want to be like you. you know? And then all of a sudden, I hear this little drumming. I'm thinking, man, where, where's the djembe? Where's, where's the thing? And then I'm, I'm looking at, at uh, Jacques, and, and he's like, you know, he's like, 
boom, boom, boom. You know, he can play, sing, and do that. I can't even walk and chew gum. So just really, really good. Really great to be with you. I really enjoy connecting uh, in uh, with people and, and with congregations. I'm just really grateful. Um, I live in Missouri. We have bugs, like, seriously, this big right now. Um, the mosquitoes are huge. And, and uh, uh, it, it, those, have, you, have you ever heard of cicadas? Anybody ever heard of cicadas? You know, they make this horrible noise at, you know, starting about 5 o'clock all the way to about 7 a.m., and you can't sleep. Um, it's worse than your mother-in-law. And, and so um, some of you might need to think, oh, boy, that's really bad. <laughs> um, but, uh, oh, they're just so, so bad. So I've gotten the chance to, to be in SoCal here. Um, and I get to be here till the 30th. Super cool, right? So that means in and out El Pollo Loco, and tacos. And then empanadas. And then ice cream. You guys have it all here. This is like the kingdom of Jesus. No, 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 no. But oh, it's just, it's just so great to be with you. And I'm just so grateful for, for Barry and Megan. They're, 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 do you guys how awesome? You guys know how awesome they are. They are so good. They're so, they're so good to, to. It's so, it's so neat to have pastors that want Jesus because you know I, I go in these places and and I, I, I kind of wonder why they they have a you know it's the, their church but it's really not a church it's something else and I don't know what it is but it's like a club or something so it's just really great to have Jesus the center of your church the church that you meet at. And I just want you to know, October is coming. You know what October is? October is Pastor's Appreciation Month. Now, he didn't tell me to tell you this. But I want you to know, I, I want you to figure out, I want you to pray, I want you to seek the Lord about how you can encourage your pastors. Not just the senior pastors, but the other pastors as well. Think about how you can encourage their families. Uh, write a note, send a big gift card to the closest taco place. <laughs> send them to In-N-Out. I, I've been here for eight days now, eight days, and I've been to In-N-Out four times, <laughs> and I've had tacos four times. I had lasagna last night. I had ice cream. I've had ice cream three times. Do you know how good, like... Like thrifty ice cream is? Is that, yeah, thrifty? Do you know how good, you know how cool that is? Who has a square scoop? <laughs> Nobody else has that. Guys are, it's awesome, it's awesome. This morning I, I would love to be able to um, come alongside uh, you in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a period of time where we could share. Um, about about real life for a minute. I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty sure that everybody in this room uh, are are real. You're you're not robots. Um, you're you're not on on um, kind of an autopilot, although you think you are sometimes. 
I think it's easy for us to jump into like a mindset of let's just kind of go through what we normally do. Let's see, it's Sunday, so we get up and we do this. And, and, and I, I'd like to interrupt that. I'd like, to, I'd, I'd like to ask if I could interrupt that. If I could come alongside and, and introduce a, a, a biblical principle that I think will radically change what goes on from this point on. Now, every pastor would say that. I know that God is going to give you a message, you know, hand motions and all. And, um, and, and that's, that's true. That, that, that's, that's very true. Uh, and so I'm going to come just like that. But I, I would like to introduce uh, a passage of Scripture that we're probably uh, familiar with. If you have ever opened the Bible, you know that 1 Corinthians chapter 13. What, we call that the love chapter. And we preach it on Valentine's Day, and everybody who's single hates it. And everybody who's in a marriage that's failing or in a relationship that stinks, hate it. And so we just kind of like skip over it. But I would like to introduce 1 Corinthians 13, the couple verses here, that introduces the concept of love. And the thing that takes it away is pride. I was in Hermiston, Oregon, when we left Southern California in 1993. My wife and I got married in 1991. We left to go be youth pastors in a town called Hermiston, Oregon. Anybody ever heard of Hermiston, Oregon? Yeah, a little bit? Okay, a couple. And um, Hermiston, Oregon introduced the... U.S. Army Chemical Stockpile Disposal Program. And I said, that's a good time to leave. <laughs> and then they, they had a meeting. They had community meetings. And they, they handed out these flyers. Official U.S. Army Chemical Stockpile Disposable Program. I kept this because it was like, holy smokes. We're all going to burn. <laughs> Here's a couple things that it says. Chemical agents are toxic compounds which have been manufactured for military use. There are two principal types of chemical agents in the U.S. stockpile program, mustard and nerve agents. And then I realized this is not mustard that you put on hot dogs. Mustard agent damages all tissue it contacts, causing burns or blisters to form on the skin or other tissue. Nerve agents interfere with nerve impulses that control breathing, muscle contraction, and gland secretion. The effects from mustard agents typically show up four to six hours after exposure. Exposure to high concentrations of this agent results in more severe symptoms, Nerve agents are rapidly acting, with the symptoms appear in less than 15 minutes following exposure to agent, to agent vapor. At normal temperature, 
Nerve agent GV vaporizes within hours, posing a breathing hazard. Nerve agent VX can stand and stay in a liquid form for days, making it a skin hazard. However, at high temperatures, VX is also a breathing hazard. It goes on to say that rockets, mines, and bombs, and projectiles contain chemical agents which is, dis when, which is dispersed when the weapon explodes, which makes it virtually undetectable. scared me to death. Why in the world would I want to be in a place where Agent VX and I, what does that even look like? And what in the world would that be like if that happened? And so if I'm digging for, to get my tomatoes up, am I going to hit a nerve? <laughs> am I going to hit and, and all these things became wondering. And then the Lord really spoke to me about something. He said, you know, there is a chemical warfare. There is a chemical weapon that is going on that is virtually undetectable. And it's pride. Think about that. It's pride. Me, myself, and I. Got it all together. I am the captain of this ship. I am the dad. I am the husband. I am the leader. I am the commander of chief. I am the CEO. I am the teacher. I am the pastor. I am the only teenager in my house. Back off. And everyone else says, whoa, that's right. <laughs> I am retired. I am the manager on this team. And we start thinking more and more. We start crazy, crazy talk. And I thought about this passage of love. And it came to me that we, we have a lot of talk about love, especially in this day and age. Tweets, posts, Instagram pictures, Snapchat stories, and all the other things that I don't really understand. I mean, there's a lot of talk about love, but I wonder if we're really loving. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Again, probably pretty familiar. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. It is not proud. A number of years ago, Mother Teresa won the Nobel Peace Prize. And right at the same time, Disneyland was throwing out these, this new ad campaign about, I just graduated from high school, what are you going to do? And you know, they all said, I'm going to Disneyland. I just... I just jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived. What are you going to do? I'm going to Disneyland. 
I just made, uh, I, I just made promotion. What are you going to do? I'm going to Disneyland. And so some wisecracking news person said, Mother Teresa, you just won the Nobel Peace Prize. What are you going to do? And everyone was like, oh, she's going to go to Disneyland. Just wait. She and Mickey Mouse are going to be having a little pose, you know. And she's like, what am I going to do? She says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going, to back to, I'm going back to Calcutta, and I'm going to sweep my neighbor's floor. That's what I'm going to do. And it pretty much just shot that whole Disneyland, what am I going to do thing down. <laughs> and I'm wondering if there's been seasons in our life where we thought we knew what we were going to do, and then we were introduced to something different. A lot of people talk about love. Satan uses this chemical warfare in us, guys, girls, students. Pride is one of the hardest, hardest things to deal with. It's one of the last things we know about, too, right? It's kind of like bad breath. You don't know you have it until someone tells you. Would you like a mint? Oh, no, I'm cool. No, you really need a mint. And you start, you know, you start thinking about that. And you're like, man, what is this like? My son Mike is 24 now. My son Mark is 22. My son Dan is 20. And then my little princess is 18. So Mike was about six or seven. And we had been teaching Mike about names in the Bible and about... um, Love, and we were talking about how Mike's name was special, and each of the kids' names were special, and how we named them. And so he was teaching Mark that whole thing, too. He says, Hey, Mark, as he's eating his corn chips, you know, he's like, Hey, Mark, your name is in the Bible. And Mark's like, You know, three, four, you know, so, you know, he's like, Yep, that's right. It is. I don't know what you're talking about, but yeah, it is, you know, and like that, you know, and Mike and Mike was like, and your name is also um, one of Jesus's, he said that, followers, and he, you know, Mark is special to God, and Mark is in the Bible. It's right here, you know, and he shows it, you know, and it goes on, goes on to say, and Mark is just like sitting there going, wow, this is great, you know, and Mike says, but I am an angel. I am an angel, you know, and we're both of us sitting or back, uh, both Melissa and I are sitting around the corner, you know, just thinking, yep, and that, and I got him out, I kicked him out. (laughs) Mike is a, um, he's a first year student at Willamette Law School, um, and it fits him right because he was always an arguer, so he's going to be perfect as a lawyer. And, um, but, um, and that's totally stereotypical, so if you're a lawyer, sorry, kind of. And um, so, but there's something very, very special about what happens when we recognize pride. And I want to say that there's pride in our businesses. There's pride in our churches. There's pride in our families. There's pride in the most peculiar places. There's pride in our schools. There's pride in our marriages. There's pride in our relationship with our kids, our relationship with our parents. 
That's pride, and that pride is, is so, so destructive. It's a chemical, and it keeps us from love. Proverbs 11.2 says, pride and disgrace go together. So if you want to find yourself slipping, you might see pride somewhere in there. Proverbs 16.18 says, pride equals a destruction. So this idea of me, myself, and I, and we sound so good, and we sound so religious, and we sound so faithful, but there's an underlying jab of pride. I wonder what pride looks like in your life. How is it manifested? How is pride I think about in my own life, and I can tell when pride comes into my life. You probably can too. You can probably tell, but you just don't like to talk about it, right? Well, I'll, I'll be the one that talks about it today. As I can tell when pride comes into my life by the tall tell sign of me being unteachable. When I'm unteachable, I'm full of pride. And it sounds like, you know, well, yeah, tell me something I don't know. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 13. If you're not a uh, person that's familiar with Ecclesiastes, check this out and underline this. Uh, highlight it. Keep it in your phone. Make it show up as soon as you wake up in the morning. Ecclesiastes 4, 4, verse 13 says, Better a young but poor wise man than an old king who is foolish and won't receive wisdom. Let me read that again. Better a poor but young wise man than an old king who is foolish and won't receive wisdom. And the first time I saw that, I said, Oh, Lord, I don't want to be like that guy. And the Lord said, Oh, but you are. You're just like that guy. And then the Lord said to me, this is what it's like. I can use a young man who is teachable than an old king who is stuck in his way. And I get stuck in my way. You get stuck in your way too. You do it. You just don't want to admit it. Pastors are easy to get stuck in their ways. Chaplains are easy to get stuck in their ways. Businessmen, moms, students, high school students, junior high students, sixth graders, they get stuck in their ways because we think we know everything. We think we know everything. Do you think you know everything? Do you think you're so good? Do you think, you think that, that everything is, is around your situation? Or do you say, oh God, what, 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 do, what do I need to do? Do you wake up in the morning and go, man, I got so much stuff to do. I, I better get going. Or do you go, I got so much stuff to do. Lord, how, how, how do I go? What steps do I take next? I wonder if we're so interested in the AAA life. You know what the AAA life is? Applause. Acclaim. Attention. We like that. Scroll through your Instagram account. Scroll through other people's Instagrams without judging. 
It's a lot of attention. It's a lot of acclaim. It's a lot of applause. And you know who the most dangerous person in the church is? It's a prideful person. While I was pastoring, I was the most dangerous person. I was the most dangerous person because I was saying, well, Lord, I know what I got to do here. We're going to take care of this right now. Randy and Candy were two people that I didn't like. I didn't care for them. And quite honestly, I wanted them to be gone. So like a good pastor, I told him to leave. And then the Lord corrected me and said, are you, are you that important that you can't receive wisdom from somebody else? Are you that important that you can't take in something else? And I said, Lord, they're bothering me. I don't like them. My wife has a shirt that says, I love my dogs. Humans, not so much. I love my church, except for those people. I love my family, except for that one guy. I love my neighborhood, except for the ones that don't return my shovel. I love it when we come together, except for I wish that person never would come. Well, we do things like that because we're unteachable. It's mostly because we're unteachable, because we're afraid that if we accept them in our lives, we might get infected by them. Folks, I'm, I'm, I want to say that when you and I can become teachable, God opens up new doors. You feel stuck in your ways. When you feel like there's no way out, ask the Lord, what do I need to learn? What's next for me, Lord? If you're unteachable, if I'm unteachable, you make it easy for us. You make it, I make it easy for myself to follow the masses. And most of the time, the M is silent. It's coming around. Some of you are going like, what? M-A-S-S. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Sometimes in order for the character of love to come out in our lives, sometimes for the character of love to be coming out in our families, we have to get off our high horses. And for me, I love to be on the high horse. I like to be in charge. I like to be in the commander. And the Lord says, I want you to learn. I can tell when pride comes into my life. When the poison of being unteachable. I wonder what that looks like for you. I wonder what unteachability looks like in your life. How are you unteachable? When are you unteachable? I sit with people in my counseling room and, and they tell me that they have everything together. And they say, everything is everybody else's fault. I sat with somebody that had gone through five or six different churches in just two years. 
And I said, is there, any, is there any common pattern here? Is there anything that you're seeing? Oh, yeah, those pastors, boy, they don't know what they're doing. And I asked him, I said, are you a pastor? Oh, for no way, I'm not a pastor. It's like parents, you know. I used to be a really good parent before I had kids. <laughs> right? You've heard that? Have you seen something like that before, right? Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, you know what? Oh, listen, let me tell you something. You should, if your 14-year-old does this, oh, then you should just not do that. You know, I'm saying, really? Are you, are, do you have kids? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, here, let me stick this knife in your... <laughs> no more tacos for you ever. <laughs> but I think there's this idea that we're just full of ourselves, that we can offer everything. We're full of wisdom. We love it when people come to you. Oh, can I, can I ask you something? Yeah, yeah, you really do need to ask me. <laughs> yes. I'd like to sit down with you. I have seven points for you. You know? And, and it sounds crazy that we would do that. But we don't, maybe we don't do it just like that, but we do it. I wonder how unteachable you are. I wonder how unteachable you are at work. I wonder how unteachable you are at home. Parents, did you know that your children can add wisdom to your life? Did you know that Addison and Kaylee are probably, they're they're like, what, what, what did I do? (laughs) (laughs) That they're probably more wise than you you think they might be? And just because they're sixth graders doesn't discount them? Did you know that associate pastors and assistant leaders, assistant pastors, can actually do a good job in leading a church too? That they might teach you something too? Did you know that the team members in your team at work, they actually have some good ideas instead of you putting them down so much. Yesterday I talked about making people feel big. But you've made them feel so small by you not listening to them and learning from them. And then when you present yourself to the Lord and you say things like, Lord, give me wisdom. I need help in this next season of time. And the Lord says, I've been trying to help you, but you're not listening. I wonder how unteachable we are. When I stop seeking God for the purpose, the direction, and the daily events of my life, I allow Satan to lace my life with pride. And I'm pretty much sure that that happens in your life too. Even if you're the captain of your ship, captain of your industry, we still need to hear from God. I can see pride coming in my life and in another way too. It's when I become prayerless. It's when I become prayerless. It's different from seeking the Lord in terms of being teachable because a lot of times when we're, when we're trying to be teachable, we're desperate, right? But when I slip out of my routine in prayer, when I'm not journaling, this is my life, okay? This, this is Steve's life. But when I slip out of my routine for prayer 
and for journaling, I start recognizing pride. And God starts pointing it out to me. There were a series of accidents with small aircraft a number of years ago. All over the country, there's this number of aircrafts that were just dropping out of the sky, that were crashing, that we had all kinds of different illustrations of, of just disaster happening. So FAA got involved, and they started to try to figure out what this was going on. Maybe they thought it was like gasoline that was bad, or maybe they thought that the instrument panels were going bad in one particular models, but it was happening over all models of planes. And they were talking about, you know, maybe some training that wasn't involved in some of the pilots. So they ramped up some of the trainings. And then they started putting cameras out at small airports and around the hangars where people would park their plane. People would drive in, get out of the car, bring their little suitcase on their way to the Bahamas or on their way to New York or on their way to their business meeting or whatever, and they would get in the plane, they would start it up, and they would go. And here's what they realized. They were crashing because they, they weren't checking things over. They weren't kicking the tires. They weren't seeing if everything was working right in the dash. They didn't see if there was a crack in the window. They didn't pay attention. Folks, when we pray, the Lord speaks to us. When we pray, the Lord gives us wisdom. When, the, when we pray, we say, Lord, I don't want to just get into this plane and make it fly. I'm not that good. But that's exactly what we do. We get into our lives and we say, Lord, I can make anything fly if it has two wings. Let me go. When I'm prayerless, I say to the Lord, it is my will, not your will. It is my ideas, not your ideas, Lord. And you might think, well, that just seems so harsh. But that's exactly what we do. I'm just putting it into context with words. Because when you and I don't spend time in prayer and we don't seek the Lord within the routine that the Lord has asked us to be involved in, within my life it's journaling, I can see pride coming in and I can say, Lord, I got so much to do. I got to get up and I got to get this plane going. Just let me have a dang plane so that I can make it fly and I will fly. And the Lord says, I don't think so. I don't think so. But we say, oh yeah? Well, let me try it. In ministry, we're busy. Life is hard in ministry. I'll say it. People. You get a little weird sometimes. You, you, have, you have issues. I'd love to point them out to you. It's called pride. But us, pastors, we do too. 
we do too. Zechariah, it's not, on the, it's not one of the verses that I gave the team. Zechariah chapter four, verse six says, not by power, not by might, but by the spirit of the Lord. That's how we accomplish life. That's how I'm a chaplain. I don't want to walk into a business. Just give me two wings and I'll make it fly. Let's see. Let's go on last year's wisdom. Yeah, that's good. Sometimes we get the same results because we haven't changed anything. You've heard that phrase before, right? Well, my suggestion is if you're going through a transition, if you're going through loss, if you're going through grief right now, drop everything, stop everything, and begin to pray. And don't move until the Lord reveals next steps for you. Don't you dare get so far caught up in yourself that if anything can happen, I can just make anything fly. You'll find yourself getting more and more hurt. The more teachable I am, the more in prayer I am, the more I hear the Lord. And here's another thing, just in terms of engaging with people, the more in prayer you are and the more connected to the Lord in terms of being teachable, the less you will criticize. People say, you always make me feel small, Steve. Hmm. Is that true, Lord? I wonder what that would be like for you. I had a, a, a friend of mine, um, Larry Spousta, is a really good friend of mine. He's a pastor. And uh, he says, Steve, experience and skill, I wrote this down, experience and skill should never replace the Spirit of God. I think that's for somebody else today here. Experience and skill should never replace the Spirit of God. Have you gone so far to just get into a plane and just make it go? Abe Lincoln said, without you, Holy Spirit, I must fail. Think about this. Without you, O Holy Spirit, I must fail. Can we pray that way? Would that change our lives? Would that change the church connotation, the, 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 the context right here at Thrive in Glendora? What would happen? What would happen? What would happen if everybody in this room had that kind of mindset? Oh God, without you, I must fail. What would, we, what would happen if we went into our businesses and we returned as a mother or a father and we got connected in with our small groups and the, 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 um, the dog walking groups and the community this and the community that? What would happen if we started walking around filled with being teachable with God and centering our lives within prayer? What would happen to our contexts? I tell you what would happen love would happen. We would not see the mental health industry going crazy right now because they can't keep up with the number of suicides. And the people who feel down and dark and they feel depleted. I'm working with uh, an organization right now that 
their CEO has left. There's been just constant drama and trauma going on in the, in the, in the company and everyone's worried. Everyone's worried for their own lives. Everyone's trying to figure out what to do. And I'm coming in and say, you know, and it's not a faith-based group, so I've, you know, I, I, I can't preach Jesus. I, I, I can be a Jesus. I can, I, can, I can have elements and values of Jesus, but I can't go around, you know, pointing fingers and preaching at people. So I have to say, can we, can we return to what we believe in? And people are starting to say, Oh, I, I believe in God, but I really haven't practiced it for a while. And I said, why don't you go back to your, your desk and figure out some things? And then I try to hightail it over there too. Without you, O oh Holy Spirit, I must fail. The last way that I know that I can see pride, the chemical warfare of pride coming to my life is when I isolate myself from others when I don't hang around my friends, the right friends. When I stay at home. And I want to say so far that when you stay at home, when you stay at home and you're not involved in church, I'm not saying this because Pastor Barry asked me to say this, I'm not saying this because you need to be reprimanded. What I'm saying is when you say, I don't need church today, you need church today. (laughs) When you say, you know what, kids, get out of my face right now. I can't stand the sight of you. What you need to do is maybe get away for a minute and then be able to come in and you need to be able to say, "Can can you help me understand what you're saying? When we say to our spouse horrible things and we say we don't want, we want to be separate. You don't need to be separate. There are times when you definitely need to be separate, but I'm, I'm guessing that a majority of the times are not some of those. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, do not give up meeting together. Acts chapter 2 talks about how the church grew because they got together and they hung out and they embraced one another. And I'm wondering how much embracing we really do. I'm not criticizing you. I'm not chastising you. I want to remind you that pride sneaks in when you say, eh, I don't want them. I don't need them. Most of the mental health issues that I see come in my counseling room or that I talk about when I travel is people feel alone, they feel desperate. Most of the time they feel anxious and they feel hopeless. So my thought is, Lord, What do I do? But I can't do that if I'm so full of myself. Pride must die in me or nothing of God will live.
pride must die in you or nothing of God will live because there will be no room for the Lord in your church. Pride must exit or nothing of God will live. I'd like to invite our worship team to come. And I wonder, I wonder what this looks like for you. I wonder, I wonder what pride looks like in your life. How is it mapped out? And I wonder if the Lord is nudging you maybe urging you, tapping you on the shoulder, however you want to say it. But I wonder if the Lord is saying to you, can I have your attention? Can I be the number one? Because if you make me number one, I'm going to give you life the way that you were designed for. Before I came here, I was in a three-day prayer retreat in an Anglican setting. It's very different than what I would have normally ever done. And I really, really enjoyed it. And the, the priest that was there and who was just really, really good. And there was, he, he, uh, it was very biblical. And I, I needed this more than I thought I did. Just amazing. And he said to me, he said, Steve, my prayer for you is that you would be the gift of hope. I still get chills about this. That you would be the gift of hope to people who feel hopeless. Can I just say that that resonated in me so much that I was like, yeah, let's giddy up and go. And he says, but you can't do that, Steve. Settle down. <laughs> you can't do that until you hear the second part of what I want to say. You know, I'm like, oh, well, I thought you were done. Because <laughs> that's what we do, right? So he said, but Steve, you can't do that if you don't rest. I'm, I'm hearing the Lord about that. I'm seeking, I'm, I'm journaling about that. My prayer for you, my prayer for you is that you would be the gift of hope to people who desperately need hope, who can't find it because they're so tired. My, my prayer is that you would be able to listen to God with being teachable, being prayerful. Stop isolating yourself. You need God in your life. Would you stand with me? I'm going to invite our worship team to, to, to lead us in a song. And while we're singing, I would like to do something that maybe, um, maybe is, is a little bit uncomfortable for you because you don't, you don't like 
attention. And I'm not asking the I'm not asking you to be front and center. I'm asking you to come meet God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to do something that a lot of churches kind of stop doing because we don't want to make people feel uh, alienated or separated or anything like that. But I'd like to encourage you that, if, this, if, that if, if God has been speaking to you today about something about pride, about being teachable, about being in prayer, about something that the worship team led us in earlier, about giving our all, surrendering, and him being the grace in, over us and all these other things that the Lord has been speaking. If that's you, I would love to ask you and encourage you to meet me down here, down, down, on, the, down on our altar, that we would be able to say, Lord, here we are, use me. If the Lord is calling you to be hope for someone, you have to unplug and be able to hear from God. If the Lord is calling you to to a new season of time because there's been grief, there's loss, there's some some transition, the last thing you need is to be so full of yourself that you're in the way of God. Get out of the way. Let's come and meet the Lord. As our worship team leads us in this song, I invite you to come forward. I promise I won't make make fun of you. I promise I I won't alienate you. But I, but I will promise that maybe if you'll let me and maybe some other people to pray over you and to agree with you and, and to, to, to stand with you. And if that's you, I invite you to, to, to do that now.